Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast, The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hosts Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liba, and producer Elvin Freites bring you the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. We explore innovations, ideas, and issues in higher education and beyond, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Now let's get to it. Before we get to it, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by ConnectEd. Are you eager to see meaningful reform in higher education? Well, the ConnectEd team have built an innovative, conversational online short course in EdTech and higher education strategy. It's being delivered in a next-generation learning environment supported by live webinars and plenty of Q&A. You can expect an engaging, fun, and practical course that will see you and your organization thrive at a time of uncertainty. Please visit www.getconnected.co for more information or connect with its founder, Warren Kennard, on LinkedIn. Again, that's www.getconnected.co. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business, bringing you the most influential and brightest minds in higher education today. Liz, how are you, my esteemed co-host? I'm doing wonderful, especially with that little esteemed uh, intro. I like that. So keep it coming. You're the best in my eyes. And and, uh, (laughs) I'm glad to have you with me, particularly on this episode. Uh, We have a very special guest. Dr. Martha Saunders uh, is with us today. Uh, Martha, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Um, we, you know, as we jump in and we're going to talk all about higher education and your experience and everything like that, most importantly, how are you? How is your health? How's your family during this very difficult time? Well, I am fine. Good reports all around uh, from our grown children and grandchildren and uh, everybody's making the best of a very unusual situation. You you got that right. Um, you're president at the University of West Florida right now. As we're recording this, Florida continues to be challenged uh, by the coronavirus, and in fact, being uh, one of the what you would consider hotspots right now for increasing rates uh, of coronavirus cases. Uh, what's happening in the community now? I mean, is it uh, are people? <laughs> going crazy is it uh, yeah. are you are people just you know boarded up in their houses what's happening in the broader <laughs> well you know of course as you know florida is a very popular place for other people to come to so yeah, uh, yeah so, so we have you know the best of of everything uh you know right now in our community we're in pensacola florida it's right on the gulf of mexico we're the westernmost city Uh, We're right in the panhandle. Lots and lots of tourists uh, to our white sandy beaches. So I think there, you know, uh, has been a lot of attention to the best advice we can get. Uh, And but the advice changes. Uh, There was a mad scramble like it's early on. Uh, Of course, for us in the middle of March, we sent everybody home. Uh, and that was a, a mad scramble, too. But just in general, you know, what is the right thing to do? You know, how do we, uh, you know, clearly uh, keep an economy going, uh, keep 
keep keep doing what we're here to do uh, and then keep everybody as safe as possible. So, you know, lots of head scratching, uh, lots of uh, not a whole lot of disagreement, just not what we should do, but how do we make all that happen? You know, you said something that I, <laughs> you said so head scratching, and I'm thinking to myself, that I think we're all doing that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you said, you know, really try to figure out what is the right thing to do, the right decision to make. You're in a really tough position, uh, Martha. I mean, I don't think anyone who listens to our podcast thinks that the job of a university president is easy. And if you do, you don't know what you're talking about because it's very, <laughs> very challenging the number of lives that your decisions uh, affect um, the ripple effect that it has of students coming to campus, leaving campus, coming to campus, leaving campus. How do you know what the right thing is to do or how do you even work through <laughs> the decision-making process to come to a decision? Well, we, we, we seek and listen to good advice. Uh, we try to get, uh, you know, get the best advice we can on, uh, on every aspect of it. And then we talk a lot together. This has not been uh, just the president and her cabinet uh, deciding what to do. I mean, we're on the ground with the people on the ground. And they are much better uh, at articulating, okay, here's what our students are going to need to know. And we're also listening carefully to our stakeholders. I mean, social media is a wonderful thing when you're looking for feedback. <laughs> and so, you know, so we're listening. To, Good or and, bad, and, right, Martha? Yeah, either way, Good you're going to hear it. Yeah, you're going to hear it. But I think, you know, as we as we move forward, we can tell very quickly people understand or they don't understand or they or they don't agree. So, uh, but I got to tell you, it since March, I mean, I have a number of people that work with me who None of us has had a day off, not one day. Uh, and um, yeah. it's it's been because there has it things are changing. Uh, we're trying to plan. Um, you know, it would be easier to just dive under our desks and say, "Call me when it's over," but uh, we don't get to do that. So, and, and people are getting tired. I mean, you know, you you don't want to make a mistake. So, um, I've really got my folks. I said you. If you need a mental health day, you go take it. <laughs> uh, we'll manage without you for a few days and then come back because uh, you'll, we want you making good decisions. So, How important is that from your agenda, mental health, mental health of your employees, uh, of the students? Uh, you know, there's obviously sure. uh, research being written right now about, mm -hmm. you know, uh, being home and the effects of mental health. Yeah. And, um, you know, how is that on your mind all the time uh, for yourself? Well, you know, I think we're going to all be in therapy for a long time, but <laughs> when all yeah, of this yeah. is over, but uh, but I, it is, and because um, I, uh, you know, in my my earlier life, in my academic life, I did a lot of research on crisis and crisis communication, and one of the the real important things to remember in a crisis, and I would certainly say we we're in one, is that at the center, I mean, you, you certainly have societies in crisis and you have uh, companies in crisis and you have families in crisis, but at the center is a person, an individual in crisis. And you've got to remember that that individual, that an awful lot, uh, 
they're 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 worried. They're worried about their jobs. They're worried about their kids. They're uh, there's a lot of uh, the, the, no uncertainty, and uncertainty leaves us to our imagination, <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's a killer. scary. That's a scary place to be, because then you start thinking about all the awful things that can happen. So we've worked really hard to, when we know something, we share that information. And we give regular updates so that, uh, you know, where we are, we have a lot of hurricanes. And so, you know, we're, everybody's glued to the weather channel to see what, you know, what's going to become of us. And we take a great deal of comfort in knowing an update is coming at the top of the hour. And you're not quite as manic if you know you're going to get an update regularly. So we have been trying to make sure that we give that update regularly, even if it's nothing's changed, <laughs> but um, or we're still staying the course. But I think there, you know, the feedback we've gotten is that has been well received and much appreciated. Well, speaking of people in crisis, have, uh, I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, Liz, who is also in Florida, and I don't think she's left her house for how many months? I don't know, maybe three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, it is. It has been, uh, you know, interesting uh, that you know a lot of people have been able to just sort of, you know, shelter and not and not leave. I have some uh, colleagues who, you know, they they live with individuals who have compromised immune systems and they just can't risk getting out there and getting sick and bringing it home to that loved one. So uh, that's been, um, been interesting. (laughs) And and in Florida, I think we're, like you said, Dr. Saunders, we're in a unique situation in that. And and, uh, Joe's also having to navigate that as one of the top hot spots or whatever you want to call them. One of the epicenters for COVID we are definitely in a unique situation as to how to navigate the decision-making process with the students, yeah. keeping students safe, um, delivering online mm-hmm. learning if necessary. One thing that I was really fascinated about in terms of your background and your ascendance to the presidency there is that you have such a, a, an intimate um, experience with the faculty side of delivering the student experience. You um, were a dean and then returned and became the president there. And I was fascinated by the idea that you were on that initial um, cutting edge of, well, it wasn't really a cutting edge back then because we didn't even have the internet back in uh, the early 2000s or even like the late <laughs> right, 90s when we were right, first rolling right. out um, these online programs. And I started at a for-profit around the same time, so there was a lot of skepticism. Mm-hmm. And you talked about in your recent article in the Pensacola News Journal about mm-hmm. how online was still kind of, there was a lot of pushback how has your ability to see the evolution of online and being one of the first um, early adopters there at UWF, how has that informed your decision-making and yeah. how do you think it's helped in terms of not having so much maybe disruption with being able yeah. to be more informed in how to deliver quality online learning? Well, it's given me a great deal of confidence um, <clears throat> that, you know, uh, online learning, online delivery can be, equally effective and sometimes mm-hmm. more uh, mm-hmm. and you know you you got to really believe that and and like almost like any uh class setting a lot depends on the teacher and a lot depends on the student uh 
<laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so, but I do have a lot of confidence in it, uh, and it's a godsend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all we're all learning new things, but it's been a real um, advantage. And for us in particular, we were here at the university. We were early adopters, and so we've worked out a lot of the kinks <laughs> in uh, mm-hmm. online learning. Uh, and and it's it's very much part of our culture. Uh, not every not every faculty member has done it. They have now, but you know they had not. But but it was an easy transition because we were ready and we were prepared. What advice would you give? Because Joe and I have both worked in the online learning sector probably for the past couple of decades. Um, and and like you, we really believe in the ability for it to be just as engaging, if not more mm-hmm. so. Like you said, and then you could even have in the classroom, but what, what advice do you give for schools that are now just trying to pivot to online and maybe Mm -hmm. they have faculty that are pushing back like you experienced, you know, back in the nineties and they're not really sure how to train or they don't know what resources, what, what would you say to them? Well, well, you know, I would say you you use a different set of muscles. Uh, Mm -hmm. I took, uh, you know, the quality matters course in, uh, Mm -hmm. because I thought, you know, I, I need, if I'm if I'm going to be supporting this, I need to understand how to do it. And and uh, as a practice, I took a course that I had taught, I think a thousand times, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that I had taught in person, and converted it to an online course. And it was it was not it was not it's not simple. Uh, yeah. You, you do you just use a different set of pedagogical muscles, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but it's. It's equally it, it, you can engage the student, but for example, you don't you're not there to see the nonverbal feedback. Mm-hmm. All right, so how do you capture feedback from students and you're not seeing their faces, their little puzzled faces, you know? So, <laughs> so but but you learn how to do that, and it's and uh, you know for me it's just intriguing. All right, now how do I, you know, in a face to face class I would. I would do this. So how do I get the same uh, engagement from the student that I can't see? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been, um, so, you know, and I think they, they understand that. And from, from our perspective, when our, when, when we did what I call the great skedaddle in March and sent everybody home, uh, we did some boot camps for our faculty who had not, been teaching online. The uh, the e-learning shells for every course we teach were already in place. And so mm-hmm. all they had to do was activate the shell mm-hmm. and they were, you know, they were up and running. But they hadn't done it before. So we, I went and attended a lot of the boot camps and, you know, they were just, they know what they have to teach. I mean, they know what the student needs to learn. And so you could see the little wheels going, okay, how do I do that? You know, they're clear on what they know and what student needs to know. So I do that. And, you know, and for some courses, it was especially challenging, like music. You know, so I I sat there with the violin professor and he said, can we do anything about the sound (laughs) on this Mm. computer? But but they did it. And the feedback I've gotten is that we got more out of our students by having to do it differently. And so I think there was just some great aha moments that nobody expected. 
So I, I think they have to be game. <laughs> but uh, right. so fortunately, we were. So. Is that your plan for the fall? Are you guys going to be a hybrid mix? Are you going to be mostly nope. online? Have you decided yet? We're going to be uh, mostly online. Uh, what we did was uh, I felt like it was really important that the students know what what they've got before them. And so I asked the faculty, I said, look at the cap, look at what really should be taught face to face. Let's prioritize mm -hmm. those because we're going to have to maintain, you know, smaller, you know, socially distanced classrooms. And, um, and uh, so the mix right now is about 60 to 65% online. Oh, wow. The rest will be, uh, uh, full-on face-to-face, and those are things like labs, and even the labs, the lecture part of the labs will be online, and then they'll come face-to-face -face maybe once a week instead of three times a week. And um, and then, of course, internships, that's class. And so, you know, we've really had to figure that out. So, uh, But we're also going to do uh, a mix of, of, uh, of what we're calling hybrid. Uh, I'm teaching a class this fall, and uh, I had to sit, had to figure out how I was going to do it, and it it is a class that is it kind of needs to be uh, face to face. But we're going to spend the first three weeks on Zoom, getting to know each other and a lot of the foundational parts of the course, uh, and then we'll figure out how we're how we're going to you know depending on how how the pandemic is going uh, mm -hmm. and. Uh, then we will figure out how to, you know, and we have classroom space set aside uh, for that. But um, so that's kind of how we're looking at it. And I, you know, we, I just got off a call with my, you know, my cabinet and, I, you know, it's like the plan is as good as it's going to get until we implement the plan. <laughs> you know, mm, we, right. we think we've thought of, we think we've thought of everything, but you know, how that goes, <laughs> you know, and then, yeah. uh, and once you start, that's where you learn. So, but we and we think we have, you know, safeguards and plan A, plans B, C, and D uh, ready too. Uh, we are fortunate on our campus. It's a very we have sixteen hundred acres, and it's uh -huh. just a very spacious, spacious campus with woods and nature paths and things. So. There's, there's a lot of opportunity for outdoor teaching, at least while the weather mm -hmm. you know, is, if the weather is helpful. So we're, and we're make, we're being as flexible as we can. Uh, and, uh, you know, our mission is to provide high quality undergraduate and graduate education. That's what we are here we're to do. <laughs> and so we're figuring out how to do it a little differently. Martha, oh, before awesome. I ask my before I ask my next uh, my next question, I you know sometimes when when I uh, record these uh, episodes with Liz, I go back and I'm editing, and I go what what is the title of this episode? But I will tell you, I love when guests self-title the episodes, and you've got it. I could listen to you talk all day long because you say really cool <laughs> stuff like uh, using a different set of muscles in higher education. Yeah, I love that. And, that that's and it. Great <laughs> The great skedaddle. Yeah, I'm gonna call you and ask you to listen to every episode from now on and tell me what I should title it. So uh, okay. I think you're gonna have a I'm good at that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Well, listen, uh, you know, you, I read on your website that you, and it, correct me if I, if I got the date wrong here, but it looks like you had a, uh, a, um, a face covering pickup a couple of days ago on campus. Did, did that actually take place? Uh, I, I didn't hear you. I, what? Oh, I, I what got covering? a face covering pickup. You, did you have a face covering? Oh, yes, yes, yeah. oh, uh, yes, 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 uh, oh, yes, yes. Uh, oh, yes. How did that go? Uh, what was that? Tell us about that. Well, uh, you know, how well, did that work out? I think, it, I think it went fine because nobody complained. Uh, we had identified, um, you know, uh, very, you know, every building, every unit has its own sort of agent, uh, face covering agent. And so... Um, they, uh, you know, they, they distributed and, and they're good to go. Any, did people seem, the students seem worried? Did, were, were there tons of questions? I mean, was it really an undertaking mm -hmm. to, take, to have that happen? No. Uh, and we've been, you know, and, and we've been modeling the behavior we want. Uh, so no, it's not been. Uh, you know, I think everybody is is, you know, understandably anxious, and um, but it doesn't show. I mean, you know, we're we're troopers, and uh, and uh, there is a lot of uh, we trust ourselves, and uh, that uh, and if things change, we will adapt. That's the key to survival. It is. Um, and speaking of uh, adapting, and I was looking through your schedule of, of um, your how you're going to deliver uh, courses in the fall, um, and I saw that you have the options right in on uh, uh, on campus, hybrid, and uh, uh, online. And then once right. you get to Thanksgiving break, you'll move after Thanksgiving to an all remote environment for uh, right. finals and and all that. Is right. that is that just because you don't want to bring people in and out? Is that you know, you know talk about that a little bit? We we really debated that. Several of the schools in the state immediately, and I think around the country went to. They said, you know, that you know you're in the heart of flu season then, and uh, there usually is a great migration, people going home for the holidays and then mm -hmm. coming back, and so there was just a. A, sent, a sentiment that it would probably be better just to not do face-to-face -face after that. We we debated it a lot, and then there, there was not real strong feeling uh, on campus, but we said, well, it can't hurt. And, you know, they're really only like a couple of weeks after that before we're in exams. Uh, and uh, so it, it was a minor adjustment to the courses. Hey everyone, this is Joe just reminding you to check out our website at www.edupexperience.com where you can find and explore all of the content that we've released under the EdUp Experience brand, including multiple podcast series, EdUp Elites, EdUp Embedded, and EdUp Experts. You can also suggest topics or guests for our podcast. Then head over to YouTube, check out our channel, The EdUp Experience, and you're going to find that my amazing co-host, Elizabeth Liba, has started a new web series called Ed Up Unplugged, where she talks about racism in America 
with special guests coming on that web series. We've got a lot going on at the EdUp Experience. Again, check out our website at www.edupexperience.com. Now let's get back to our guest. I have a, a question because um, being from Florida, being from South Florida, um, I went to University of Florida. I know Dr. Saunders attended Florida State for graduate study. There are a lot of really good colleges and universities in the state of Florida. And um, one of the, the interesting things about University of West Florida that I didn't know was that you had, um, under your leadership, established the first doctoral program in intelligence systems and robotics. And right. um, I just wanted you to talk a little bit about the STEM area, about the cybersecurity program, about some of the areas that you're focusing on to bring something different. Because I think um, as far as the state colleges and universities, sometimes, you know, any of the schools, even though all of the schools, most of them are, are excellent and amazing and top-ranked programs, sometimes it seems that, you know, you get the same programs at University of Florida as you get at Florida State, as you get at FAMU, as you get at FAU. Uh, sometimes I think for the public schools, there may be uh, maybe an idea of pretty much it's just, you know, just a matter of where you do you want to party in Tallahassee or do you want to party at, in Gainesville, right. you know what I mean? Like, I know that's what I thought when I was 18. So what um, are, are you able to do in terms of some of those different programs to, I think students now are thinking a little bit more about what can I do to distinguish myself? What degree can right. I program? Can I get this a little bit more cutting edge or is it a little bit more technology based or can give me a little bit more of an edge in terms of my employability or workplace readiness or some of these ROI questions that students might be considering a little bit more than I know for me, it was just like, well, where can I have fun? <laughs> you still get a degree. So how, how are you addressing those with some of those kind of different and, and innovative programs that you're rolling out? When, uh, when I, thanks for asking, because I like to talk about uh, our programs. Uh, we, uh, when I came on board, uh, we were ha enjoying our 50th anniversary. Uh, and so we had all the usual anniversary celebrations, but it also begged, now what are you going to do? You know, for the next 50 years, uh, I, you know, the university, I think, had grown and developed as it should. Uh, the quality of the programs was as they should be. But we asked that very question, how do we distinguish ourselves? And the, the answer we felt was we need to leverage regional resources. You know, you can start a new program in anything, but if everybody else has it and you don't have something that makes yours special, you're just another one. And mm -hmm. so uh, in our region, in, in northwest Florida, uh, we are, we're a big military, uh, huge uh -huh. military installations. Uh, it, uh, about 20% of my student body are military affiliated. They're either dependents or veterans. We have a big veterans. So, and then you have Eglin. And so cybersecurity just naturally <laughs> came up. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and, and it was absolutely the right call. We are, you know, we have named ourselves the Cyber Coast. There is clearly a need, and we are focusing on uh, job development, workforce. And so, and you can go in a lot of directions with cyber. That was the right one. And we've gotten a lot of attention on that. But much, much of that has been leveraging you know, the interest and the, the resources of the region. 
And then with the, the doctoral program with IHMC, uh, IHMC, the Institute for Human and Machine Cognition, is a really big-time research uh, institute here. They won the DARPA award about the, the DARPA prize about two, three years ago for robotics. And so, uh, and so they're a wonderful asset and, and affiliated with the university. Uh, and I, so we started talking and they don't give degrees and we don't do the level of research that they do, but together now <laughs> we have started this doctoral program and what's unique about it, I call it the European model, that students come in, we tailor, because they come from a lot of different backgrounds, we tailor the program to their needs, and they go straight into the lab working with oh, wow. one of the researchers, straight into the labs. And uh, so that's, uh, you know, in most doctoral programs, you know, you spend six, your first 60 hours are in a classroom, and then you start thinking about your research. This, mm -hmm. They start from day one. So I just got an update. I had lunch with the new director, uh, and it is, I mean, we're, 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 we're having to turn away a lot of really high-quality students. It has gotten that good a reputation, and employers are paying for their students, for their employees to come and get this doctorate. So it's cool. But again, we Very. leveraged we leveraged what was here and was already a resource. Uh, and the same is true with our archaeology program. Uh, Pensacola is, uh, we now know, the earliest settlement. Uh, we edged uh, St. Augustine uh, uh, by a few years. And uh, so there's been some wonderful spirited debate there. But we've been digging up. Uh, a lot of a lot of this area, and learning an awful lot about the earliest uh, settlers here. Uh, and again, that's that is a, a resource. The history of the place is a resource, and that makes our programs successful. Absolutely. What advice would you give? Because I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of all the discussion about the disruption in the model of higher education, the scrutiny now with parents seeing students at home and wondering about return on investment and students being worried about workplace readiness and unemployment. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give for schools that really want to make that significant tie between the environment and the workplaces around their, in their community and making sure the degree is more applicable, maybe hitting the ground and incorporating yeah. that um, hands-on learning. How can you do that and, and still, you know, maintain, because I think sometimes schools are hesitant because it's like, well, we have to have the theory, we have to have foundation, they're very stuck in the box as yeah. far as how to deliver, and you have so much experience in the faculty level and the administrative mm -hmm. level as far as being a dean and, and having to oversee the accreditation aspects. How do we encourage schools to be a little bit more flexible mm -hmm. in terms of making sure they're incorporating what the students really want and still maintaining the mm -hmm. high academic integrity? Well, you've... You've asked just exactly the question that I think a lot of presidents ask, uh, yeah. because you know universities do not tradition move very quickly, <laughs> and we're not known for mm -hmm. for moving really fast. And so it's not at all unusual to change curriculum; could take a couple of years, and and we mm -hmm. just can't afford to be that place anymore. And right. and 
so what again what we have done is um you know we 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 listen to industry uh we make sure that our advisory committees uh that advise the departments that they're not just you know rubber stamp or titular uh committees but that we're here to learn from them and they say you you need to be teaching them this and not that uh and one of the things uh, you know as i said we're not the oldest university in the state and we're not uh the biggest and we're not the richest but we are the most agile we are absolutely the most agile we can turn on a dime and part of that is just there's there is a spirit here uh i think there's a lot of trust um and and I, you know i call it the frontier spirit but other people call it an entrepreneurial spirit uh, but there is sort of a, and, it, it, and it's a part of the culture. Um, and I've I have heard my predecessor say, you know, we're here in Northwest Florida, we're on Central Time, so you know, we're, like, we're the only <laughs> university on Central Time. And she she used to say, you know, we learned a long time ago, the cavalry's not going to come save us up here. We're going to have to figure things out for ourselves. And, uh, and you know we're a, a sparsely populated part of the state. Just a, it's a different part of Florida, and so I think that that culture of, you know, we don't wait for somebody to come and do things for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we figure it out and we do it. And so that it it's it it is a very rewarding place to work if you just like people that are bubbling with bright ideas. And that's awesome. That spirit and that energy and, and just being able to be creative and think out of the box. I thank you for really addressing that because that I think something that we're trying to bring uh, more voices in and more of a fresh perspective and that things don't have to be done the same way. COVID has been a real slap in the face reality check that we can't just right. keep doing the things the same way because we, we have to be, like you said, we have to be agile. We have to change as we need to be. Um, responsive to our student needs, so I'm glad that you addressed that. Well, and it's an opportunity. You know, I, you know, we, we don't, we don't need to go back to the way we were. What's the yeah. world we want to see? Uh, and use this as a as an opportunity to to be cha- make the change you probably should have made before, but just Absolutely. didn't. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much for addressing that, Joe. Well, uh, Dr. Martha Saunders, we uh, loved having you on the Edip Experience, and we have always a final question for our guests, and then, um, which is, what do you think the future of higher education is going to look like? And then, either before that or after that, is there anything that we missed about your university that you'd like to talk about? Anything about programs, coming initiatives, anything at all that you'd like to say about your university? Well, uh, I think one of the things that, that is very true at UWF is that we we believe our responsibility extends beyond handing you a diploma. Uh, if we don't, if our job is to effect a good handoff <laughs> to, to our students' next chapter of their lives, and, and we're not right. really happy, you know, just get a degree and we'll send you an alumni pin. Uh, we want we want there to be continuity and that, you know, that handoff is a solid handoff. And 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 it 
you know, if you're around us long, that's not just talk. And so I would say that is is something I would want people to know. And then as far as the future of higher ed, well, I think we are seeing it now. We're seeing um, a lot more use of technology in 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 uh, in our teaching, uh, in in our research, uh, and uh, we're seeing more flexibility in scheduling, not just our classes but our people. Uh, you know, we we you know this idea of flex time, this idea of teaching remotely, um, is is great. Um, and so I think we'll we'll see just some really uh, inspired changes in in course delivery because people are seeing some things that are working better. Uh, I did tell my group I said you know I don't think we have a space problem anymore. <laughs> you know hmm. prior to COVID, mm-hmm. you know I I have like these stacks and stacks of requests and I need more space and I need this and I need this and then everybody went home. And the work kept getting done. And I, I thought, huh, <laughs> that tells me we might not have a space problem. Uh, but we we couldn't see it until this disruption. So I think, you know, uh, I, I wonder, I wonder about, you know, the traditional campus experience. Uh, it, it, like you said, you know, you know what school are you going to go party at? Uh, you know, are you know our students are students still going to come uh, and expect? You know, I'm going to pledge a fraternity and and go to football games and play the tuba. And you know, <laughs> is that gonna is that going to stay the same, or is that going to kind of wane? Uh, I, I do wonder about that. I mean, these students is certainly think about that the. the the, the traditional freshmen, their senior year of high school just got blown out of the water. And yeah. Uh, yeah. and so are they going to see, you know, when, you know, college as the sa- in the same? Uh, or is it just going to be I'll take a gap year and then I'll come back and it will all be as it was? And so I do wonder about that a good bit. And, and that's interesting. And I will say that uh, we've had, uh, I don't know how many college and university presidents on, uh, presidents on this podcast so far, but you're the first one that I can remember. And Lizzie, correct me if I'm wrong, that said that we were seeing the future of higher education happen right now. I think everybody's yeah. really reached into the future and gone, oh, closing institutions and, you know, new models. And, and I think you make a really good point that there is mm-hmm. a lot happening uh, accelerated evolution of higher education due to this mm-hmm. uh, crisis that's happening right now in front of us, redefining the model. It, what, what's the saying about the bike? Ride, ride the bike, uh, fix the bike while you're riding it, right? I mean, that's we're right. having having to evolve mm-hmm. um, because we're being forced to evolve, and then I think that uh, people either look forward or look backwards, and that will separate mm-hmm. the successful from the unsuccessful institution. Well, and all of society is changing around us too. So we're not alone in this. It's uh, and so um, it's it, you know it's it's an invigorating time to li- to live. We just hope we all do. Uh, but it, you know, and it's just been pretty exciting. So, uh, but we're in it now. It's not going to go back to the way it 
was. That's right. Well, Liz, do you have any more questions? No, I've just been fascinated by this whole conversation. And I think Dr. Saunders tapped, uh, really hit on something that I've been thinking about a lot in terms of just from my undergraduate experience, and I'm sure Joe had that probably similar, and even Dr. Saunders, where sometimes we want, uh, my, my daughter is 21, she's a sophomore, she's at Florida State College, Jacksonville, uh, community college before she transfers to University of North Florida in Jacksonville this year. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things as a parent, um, and we've talked about this on the show as well, mourning um, you know, and you touched on this as well, Dr. Saunders, maybe feeling, you know, well, do I want this experience? What did this mean? And maybe us as parents or even as the students reimagining what college will mean just because it meant mm-hmm. for me partying at University of Florida and, and sleeping on the grass outside the, the union. Is that necessarily what a college experience needs to be? Maybe we're thinking, mm-hmm. you know, w- w- there was a time where in order to see a movie, you had to go to Blockbuster Video and then you felt disappointed when the, 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 it was, the, the card wasn't there and you couldn't go and be kind rewinded. Now we just sit in the comfort of our home and we just download a net or stream a Netflix video. So are we maybe putting, um, I guess, pressure on what a college experience needs to be? And does that totally need to be reimagined for our children or for generations to come? Just Like you said, we're in it right now, and maybe what we're in is what it is, and that's just what it's going to be moving forward. So I, I really appreciate you saying that because it's really fascinating. I, I, think it's, I think a lot of very interesting conversations are probably happening right now in families. Uh, and what they really, yep. what they really need, it's not just you're programmed to go and do that because you're supposed to. Maybe right. you're not. Maybe you're supposed right. to do other things. So. All good questions, cool. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Uh, another great episode of the Ed Experience with Dr. Martha Saunders, president of the University of West Florida, and uh, we. Uh, by the way. Uh, and I don't know if you guys know this, but one of the best uh, and greatest boxers of all time for your boxing fans out there is from Pensacola, Florida. Anybody want to take a guess? I know. I know. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> and no guesses? Roy Jones. Oh, yes. Roy I didn't know Roy Jones was from Pensacola. Yes. So, Junior, the reason I bring that up is because he will be fighting, I think, in an exhibition match, Mike Tyson. Mike uh, Tyson. Right. September, I think. Right. So, uh, but yeah, Pensacola, Florida, one of the best and greatest boxers of all time, um, and Roy Jones Jr. And so Pensacola's got a got a favorite son down there, and uh, we wish you well, uh, Martha, with everything that you're doing, and uh, know that the the sleepless nights that you have. Um, are because you care so much about your employees and your students. And uh, we, we um, uh, don't envy you the position that you're in right now, but certainly respect uh, you highly for it. And we really appreciate your time. We know how busy you are right now with all of the, that you're handling. And we hope that this experience was uh, fun, as fun for you as it was for us. And, and thank you for coming on the Edip Experience. It was a delight. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that episode. To learn more about the EdUp Experience, please visit edupexperience.com. And if you want to be in on the live recordings, please sign up for our email list. 
go to edupexperience.com and sign up to be a subscriber. We'll let you know how you can listen in live and get the scoop before anyone else does. So, please, as always, feel free to share this podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe. We would really, really appreciate that. You've been listening to The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business with your hosts, Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liva, and Elvin Freitas.